0: now fast forward 10 or 12 years you're right i can come in my office nobody bothers me and i'm thinking about what the future of this business looks like and meeting with my team members to say okay what do we do i know enough but i'm not involved in the granular details of everything because i trust what they're doing and and again it may not be the way i get there but I value their opinion and I, I give them the leeway to make the decisions. And they own those decisions, which ultimately make my company better. This is the Wealthy Contractor
1: Podcast, brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle.
0: Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. I'm here today with Scott Berman from Florida Window and Door, repeat guest, always a great guest, lots to share. Scott, welcome. Thanks for being here. Pleasure. And we don't really have anything specifically to talk about, but there is, as Scott just said, him and I never have a shortage of things to, to talk about. So we're recording this October 12th. Scott just gave me some interesting information last week, the Florida finance, a weird finance company through the state. It's called Y Green, apparently went, uh, is not funding deals anymore. Scott had a whole bunch of stuff out that had to be placed elsewhere. And what do you think happened there?
0: I think it was a perfect storm of they were loaning money at one rate and interest rates have gone up dramatically and they were caught Trying to sell their paper at a loss. And I think that they realized that they couldn't find anybody in the open market to buy it. And the bank pulled the line of credit, which eliminated a funding source. And I think, you know, as we discussed prior to getting on air, I believe this is just the beginning. I mean, I think you're going to see more and more of this as time goes on.
1: So just out of you know, just out of curiosity, why wouldn't they have just raised the rates? Why wouldn't they have just gone back to everybody and said, hey. The rate is now five or six because we're buying at three and a half.
0: Well, I, I think that if you, I think we talked about this before, but I think that if you, this comes back to the backlog issue, which is companies can't get out of their backlog fast enough to respond to the changes in the economic environment. In this example, it's financing. In the other examples, it's, you have a backlog and, and your, your material costs have gone up 20%. It's exactly the same story, just a different vertical in your business. Yeah. And it's just beginning. I mean, we continue to see this, you know, day in and day out and the, and, and the challenges of it are, are happening every day. And it's just wild to watch having been in this business for as long as we've been in it, the, the dynamics of it and the daily changes are tremendous.
1: So, what are some of the things that you are kind of seeing or experiencing on the ground? Now, we're in Florida, so that might be a little different, but what are you seeing?
0: Well, I would say to you that I, you know, COVID was challenging for everybody. I don't care what industry you're in. For us, particularly in the last 10 to 14 days, You know, we've lived with a hurricane through Fort Myers, which devastated, unfortunately, that market for us. And then shortly thereafter, probably three or four days, we get a finance company telling us they're going out of business. So these are pretty monumental events in the course of just a a 10 to 14 day period. You know, the challenges just keep coming. And that's on top of all the other challenges that we face just doing business every day.
1: Yeah, so you know what's funny is I didn't tell you this, but I'm in a group chat with a bunch of buddies. And you know that picture of the windows that you installed that kind of went viral? Yeah. So look at, this was in our, that picture. Here, I'll just show the picture. That picture actually ended up in a group chat with my buddies. Look at that.
0: It's everywhere, that picture.
1: Yeah. That's crazy, huh? So that's one of your, that's one of your jobs.
0: That picture shows you the benefits of impact windows.
1: Yeah. That's pretty amazing, huh? It's amazing. Yeah. Fucking it's amazing. Incredible. All right. All right. So things are starting to shift a little bit. So you've got, in your case, Fort Myers, which was a really good market for you. It's a newer market, right? We've
0: been open there for about, I think, two and a half to three years. Okay. Large market for us. Fortunately, you know, we didn't have any, we didn't have major damage at our facility. And obviously all of our staff members and their families were safe, which is clearly the most important thing. Yeah. But, you know, now we're navigating customers whose homes have been destroyed and they have windows on order other customers who want the windows but have other damage in their home and are waiting for insurance or navigating curfews and, and all different things that would come from a storm. Long term, you know, it's going to be a huge business driver for us. In the near term, it's, you know, every day is a little bit different and be patient. I will tell you that, you know, the governor and the, and the state of Florida have done an amazing job in terms of doing everything they can to clean that area up and get the roads and the lights and the electricity on. And, and it's, it's an amazing thing to watch and to witness and to, yeah. and to be
1: a small part of it. Yeah. So, okay. So, well, look, so a lot of the stuff that we talk about, particularly with, you know, profitability and, and understanding your numbers and knowing your business and you obviously were prepared for something like this cuz in in your case just because of your size this is probably a seven figure event for you that you're going to have to navigate both with orders with commissions that have been paid out with marketing that's been paid out with you know there's a, there's some stuff you're going to have to clean up after this
0: yeah so we so again this comes back to structure and what you know, you teach and what, what, what I try to tell people, this comes back to the backbone of your business to be able to survive and respond to these type of events. So, you know, there's a lot of things that go into it. You know, as an example, a customer who can't pay for the windows because their home is destroyed, you know, now we have to go, we have to file a notice with the insurance company to get paid by their insurance company. So you have to get involved with the legal aspects of this. You have to make concessions to the people whose homes are totally destroyed. But but from my perspective, it's an interesting predicament because you have have a fiduciary responsibility to protect your business. You can't take millions of dollars of losses in in windows that were ordered that that can't be used. And at the same time, you have to have a degree of sensitivity to what these people are going through and and the sheer loss that they've had. So it's a very fine line and and it's evolving every day. And and we have a team set aside on a daily basis to deal with these on a case by case basis because we just we want to be we want to have good customer service and and good effort to respond to the needs of our customer. And at the same time we have a business to protect. So it's a it's an interesting challenge, and we'll survive it. But it's something that I candidly didn't really expect.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. So you just said something really good. And it it's you said backbone of the business. And you know, you're going to be a speaker at accelerate again this year, you killed it or next year, I should say in February, which coincidentally is going to be in Fort Myers, we've reached out to the hotel, they're all fine. They're housing the not emergency worker, but workers. workers. Yeah. Yeah. Downtown is like opening up slowly. And by February, everything should be, should be good, but you're, you're going to be there. And, and I've asked every speaker to talk about, you're calling it backbone of the business. I'm calling it, what are the things that we need to do as business owners in order to build a business, to create a business that even if things shift in the economy, which we know it's going to, we're still going to come out strong. We're going to thrive. And so what are some of those, what are some of those things? When you think about the backbone of a business Of in this business in particular, what are some of those things that you think about?
0: I think it all comes down to the formality of the process. And I think that, you know, having attended as an example, Accelerate, I think, you know, we've talked about this, there's a lot of people there who who have very good businesses and are profitable, exceptionally profitable, but they don't have the formal processes that they need to have to scale. And where that becomes important is everybody talks about scaling, 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 you got to have the formal process to scale. But I also think at times of crisis, that formal process allows you it governs you to how you're going to operate regardless of the conditions of business. Because as an example, you don't go from, you know, having a good sales day to having a bad sales day and your process sucks. Your process was good from day one. You just happen to have a bad day. But if you believe in your process and you, and you have an airtight process you will win more than you will lose. And I think that's really, we're playing the game of averages, whether that's leads or employees, it's a numbers game. And the, and the larger the numbers, the more important that process becomes. And so in our particular case, as it relates to Fort Myers, you know, we were speaking to our employees at all from till the last possible minute in regard to their safety and security. We had a plan in place when we were gonna reopen and we were outselling, you know, whenever the cities allowed us to open up, going through the same process. And, and all we really did was modify our presentation a little bit to say, look, utilize financing while you wait for your insurance proceeds to come. So don't wait to hold your order. You don't give me any money, sign the documents, and at least we can start your order so you can get ahead of the backlog, that, or ahead of the orders going forward. And, and so really all that was, was basically an extension of our process and a, a slight change in our story to reflect the events on the ground. But the substance of, of the formality of our sales presentation remained the same. So all of our salespeople who are in those markets are comfortable. They just had to do a little bit of a rewrite to the script, so to speak, to make it effective for that particular time. But the process is what allows you to, to deal with all the challenges that you have in your in your organization and, and and even outside of your organization to be successful, and that's where I think people just underestimate. It. They focus on scale, but it's all the other things that come as a result of
1: it. So you know, one of the things. So it's it's funny that you bring up process. And 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 today we did a webinar with a woman we met named Adi that what her business is is going into other businesses and helping them create processes. And so we had a long discussion about that and I'm making her available as a resource to people that that may be interested. But when we talk about process, let's go back. I mean, you know, we look at your business today and you've got, you know, all these people and if you need something done, you just, you know, send a message to somebody and it just gets done. But it wasn't always that way. Ten years ago, you were a small business. You were four or five million bucks, right? Yeah. And so, when you were small, what did that look like? When you were smaller, I should say, what did that look like?
0: When I was small, I was the fireman. I mean, I basically was putting out every single fire, trying to sell windows, trying to satisfy customers, and doing everything. And I think the change in the change happened when. I realized that I had a viable business and I could grow it. I had to first prove, I had to do proof of concept first. And then, when I, and then I had to come take a step back and say, wait a second, I may lose sales because I still think I'm the best salesman, but I can grow my business in other areas to compensate for that loss of sales because I'm not the guy selling anymore. The reality of it is, if I put my ego aside, I realized that I really wasn't the best sales guy but I thought I was at the time. I thought I was the best installation manager. I realized I wasn't at the time. So you have to, in my mind, as a business person, you have to make that decision because you can't do everything as you grow, it's impossible. And the, and the other thing I would tell you is I had to also recognize, and it took a long time, that the more managers I have, I may not always agree with what they do, but I have to respect what they do in their process of making a decision. And while I may think it's wrong, I have to give them enough leeway to make that mistake. And, if the, if, and in many cases, it's not a mistake. In many cases, they're right and I'm wrong. But I have to be prepared to relinquish that control and set my sight on growing a business and what I want to achieve, as opposed to worrying about every single thing that goes on here and that I can control. And so and now fast forward 10 or 12 years, you're right, I can come in my office, nobody bothers me. And I'm thinking about what the future of this business looks like. And meeting with my team members to say, Okay, what are we doing?" I know enough, but I'm not involved in the granular details of everything, because I trust what they're doing. And, and again, it may not be the way I get there. but. I value their opinion, and I, I give them the leeway to make the decisions, and they own those decisions, which ultimately make my
1: company better. You know, it's tough when you're there are certain points in the in the in the business where you have to change as the leader, as the owner, where you need new capabilities, you need new people and processes, and a, a big one that I see is. I think this is coming out, especially it's going to come out now, I think in the next few months, is that balance between marketing and sales, where the last 18 months or so leads have not, I haven't heard anybody talking about leads. Leads was not an issue. We had every other issue except except leads. And it's going to start to become, I think it's going to start to become more and more of an issue. And so you got people that were taking these leads that were just coming in, uh, coming in. And, you know, if their sales process was okay, they made a lot of sales relatively speaking, but that's going to get harder. And so if you're that, you know, owner again, back to, to when 10 years ago, when you were saying, okay, I got to step away. I got to step back here. Where do you put the focus? How do you decide where to put the the focus on your, your business. Let's start with that. Then I want to ask you something more specifically about marketing.
0: Well, I think, you know, you as the owner, the, the most common thing I hear at, at your workshop was, well, I can't afford to hire this guy. Yeah. Like that, that's the, that's the, that's the, you know, prototypical wall of, I, I just, I can't do it. And my response to your question is hire the first person that you think you can find that is going to help you build your business. And then build around that person. And what you're going to find is that person. If you hire the right person and he does a good job, you're going to have far less. Um, you're going to require a far less amount of time, your time, to deal with what he or she is dealing with. How do you then know it's the, and find the next person?
1: Yeah, but how do you know the right person? You to You don't know, but you have to on. take
0: the risk. You have to take the risk. You. I met a, a. You. You and I know somebody super nice guy. He's at you know six seven salesman has a super successful business. I've run into them, you know, three or four times over the last five years, and I, it's all. Well, I'm looking for this guy. I'm looking for this guy. You, it's a numbers game. You can't think that you're going to hire somebody and you're going to hit it on the first. You're not going to hit a home run the first time, but what you may hit is a double. And then the next time you replace that per, that person that you hired, you may get another double. So in essence, cumulatively, you get a home run because the first hire, the first time you hire the person, you may not realize what you need, but he's better than what you have, but he's not good enough for what you want. So it's a, it's a steady improvement. It's not, you're not gonna go from a mile an hour to a hundred miles an hour. You may go a mile to 20 to 40 to hundred, but it's progressive steps. And, and you, know, you know this better than anybody. There's no secret formula. Like you're not gonna find somebody like me who's gonna come into your business and tell you, go hire 50 people and these 50 people are gonna be great. People, you said it before, people changes, your organization changes. So the guy who is good at 5 million may not be good at 10 million. The woman who is good at 10 may not be good at 20. Eventually your organization will outgrow your management team. And it's your job to make sure that you continue to augment that management team with higher caliber people who are used to dealing with a higher volume or profile company because you need that intellectual capital. You can't, aff- and, and, and the last thing is you can't afford not to hire these people. So whether you have to raise your price 3% or take your con- the amount of contracts you divide, you, you do a year and divide it and then put a $20 surcharge on every contract to hire your sales manager or your controller or whatever position you're looking for. You do that because otherwise you're going down a road you're not going to be as successful as you could and you're not building value you're making a living but you're not building value
1: yeah builder prime is changing the game for home improvement contractors imagine having everything you need to help your business grow in one place crm estimating marketing automation with sms production management software and now call center dialer integration all wrapped into one easy-to-use package. And it's never been easier to switch CRMs. Hundreds of contractors trust Builder Prime to grow their businesses with powerful reporting tools to see which leads are making money, which sales reps are the top performers, and where to optimize for the greatest impact. We're talking about winning more jobs, boosting productivity, and delighting your customers. Are you ready to fuel your business growth even faster without all the daily frustrations, Of your current tech stack, you owe it to yourself, your team, and your business to learn why everyone is switching over to Builder Prime, the only true does it all CRM for home improvement contractors. Head over to builderprime.com and request a personalized demo with an expert today. So, somebody was here yesterday with me, one of our mastermind members, and had a little bit of a struggle with this the last year or so with putting the right people in place and shifting things around and you know next year he's uh we put a plan together for its growth but it's not huge i mean it's, i think he's going to do like a million two a million three this year we 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 got him on a plan to do 2.3 ish but in order for him to go there one of the things that i told him was hey look you know you're Kind of outsourcing marketing to these other people you have one or two sales people that are doing okay you're going to have to get in there and you're going to have to shore up your sales team and simultaneously you're going to have to make sure that you're getting enough leads in every week in order to keep these two or three people busy and so that you can hit your numbers so with that said, a guy like, you know, a guy like that, and he's he's gonna go and do it. He's gonna listen to, he'll listen to you and he'll listen to me, and he'll say, okay, that sounds, you know, just tell me what to do and I'll I'll go and do it. But there's a lot of people out there, I think, that are in that same boat. It's like, well, I got marketing on one hand, I've got sales, but then I got to deal with production. Right now, I guess what I'm asking you is in a situation like that, how important is it gonna be? for people to be able to pull themselves out of being a fireman and really focus in on making leads.
0: In in a situation like that, my advice to that particular person would be, what do you think you're good at? So in other words, you're good at, in my case, when I was that size, I was good at sales and marketing. I thought I was good. So I focused on sales and marketing and then I sort of like handed off the installation side because I hated that site anyway. So I was like, ah, I'm not good at it. I don't want to do it. And I handed it off. And I think that, you know, I remember those days when I would, I would be gone in my office by nine because I was running leads. And then I would come back at, you know, seven, eight o'clock at night or whatever it was and check how they were doing on installations. I think at that size, you have a responsibility and an obligation to do what you're good at. Because if if you're not, you're not going to be successful. On the lead side, you know, obviously our business is, is reliant upon lead generation. So, as an example, going back, and I didn't do this, and I wish I did. When I hired salesmen, I used to hear from everybody, you know, give the salesman only two leads a day, and I was giving them three. I should have given them two, and then I would have built my sales force faster because I didn't need as many leads. I only needed two instead of three, so it reduces your lead count by a third. And re- and, and now I know. That it makes your salesman more effective on the two leads and the three, so it doesn't cost you anything, and in fact, it, it it adds not only sales but then impacts your bottom line. But those are things that I learned over time. But if I could go back, those were the, those would be the first two well, or three things that I
1: would change. So it's interesting because you know we we talk a lot about business is really sales and marketing. That's to me, that's the core of any business. You can do those well. And if we look at the list, we look at the top 20, you're in the top 20 on the qualified remodeler top 500 list. Well, if you go through that list of of people, and I know many of them, those are the best marketers. I mean, like some of the best marketers we have in the industry, even the top 100, you know, those are some of the best marketers we have in the industry. And I, I think that If you are not good at marketing, I think that that's potentially going to hurt you, especially coming into next year.
0: I think that, again, the successful companies in this industry, in my experience, are the people who understand the value of a lead
1: and the ability
0: to acquire that lead at a reasonable cost. Yeah. And, and so I think that there's no secret to that. I think it's, you know, you go to an outside firm, you hire somebody or you, you do it yourself. But I also believe that those same top companies understand profitability, understand gross margin, yeah. understand the, the business and the ins and the outs and the back end you don't get to those sizes without, I mean, the sizes now are, as you know, astronomical, billion-dollar companies. You don't get to that size unless you really know your business. But on a $10 million business or $5 million, I think it's an issue of generating leads, but also being able to be efficient in the distribution of those leads so you can maximize the value if leads become tighter. You know, and, And that could, by the way, that could be as simple as paying your salesman a premium for a self-generated lead on a commission than a company lead. I mean, if everybody is growing in the same direction, you're going to get more leads. And and yes, those people are the best and the brightest in our industry on that list. But there's no reason why a small company can't do the same thing. They may just have to be a little bit more cognizant of the cost and and create a little bit of, of more ingenuity in terms of the lead engine. But... Leads are, leads are going to dry up. I mean, I don't think anybody is suggesting from what I can tell that, we're, that leads are going to be as easy as what it was during COVID. And I think, you know, I've had multiple conversations with companies where this is more like 2018 than it is 2020 and 2021. Yeah. And, and the problem with that is that 2018 was normal and everyone got fat in 2020 and 2021 and thought it was so easy. And this is going to be where, this is going to be where the people who are swimming naked are really going to be exposed because
1: it's getting harder. It's not getting easier. Yeah. And that's what I, at least for the listeners here, the people that come to our events, my clients, I want to prevent that from happening as much as I can and hopefully provide them with the resources and the tools and the thinking that they need in order to, weather any type of storm and again, come out of it head. So, you know, again, I keep bringing this up because, you know, Scott and I were both broke at the same time. We didn't know each other, you know, 10, 12 years ago, we've been through these, you know, we've been through these cycles. We know that things that go up, they've got to come down. And I, you know, I don't want to be a a doom and gloom guy, but I think that these are things that we need to discuss, that we need to be Prepared for just in case if they do happen. And there are some headwinds, there are some things that are telling us that next year might be a little tougher than what we've what we've seen. So, what is some of your advice for let's talk specifically about leads, just because it's kind of fresh on my mind, because you know, I was talking with this guy yesterday, and I'm just trying, I'm just thinking ahead. You know, we're going into the holiday season. They say that Christmas is going to be okay. You know, holiday spending is going to be okay. They say it's not. Credit's tightening up. Consumer debt's going up. Savings are going down. What are some of the things that you're preparing for when it comes to lead generation? When it comes to marketing?
0: I mean, the first thing I would say to you is, I think we all just have to stay out of the news. Yeah. You know, I think at the end somebody of the day,
1: t- somebody told me that after one of my last podcasts. So, just Brian stop watching the news? news.
0: And I I will say, in fairness, I am a large consumer of news. And every time I read it, I'm like, why am I reading this? It's totally depressing. Having having said that, I think you have to manage your business. And I think at the end of the day, my recommendation on leads is is that you create as many lead sources and buckets of leads as you possibly can. And don't be reliant upon one, because I think you mitigate risk by that way. I think there's creative ways to do lead acquisition. You can you can contact newspapers and do revenue share. I mean, there's a million different avenues that you can choose, depending on wh- what risk you want to take and how sophisticated you are with your reporting. But I, but I think at the end of the day, the key is is you have to the first thing you have to know is how many leads do you really need. So so you have to know how many leads you need, and what I mean by that is you have to know not only the amount of leads you set, but you have to compare that against the leads that actually confirm. Because if you set 100 and only 50 confirm, then you really only have 50 leads. That's a problem if you have 100 salespeople. So so you have to work your way backwards. And once you work your way backwards, then you can determine how much you can spend. And I I do think that for those of us who are giving salesmen three leads a day, cut them down to two. and And then add another two or three salesmen. But I think the answer to lead flow is multi-channel. And and that's, you know, to me, critically important. And then the the other thing I would say is, and and we don't do a good enough job of this in full disclosure, but encouraging your salesman to get self-generated leads. And the reason for that is twofold. First of all, if your average media costs or marketing costs are 10% and you give your salesman 6%, and I'm just picking a number, you give them a premium of a 6% commission, you're still saving 4%. And and they're more likely to close that deal on a referral lead. So I think it's really up to the salesman to also participate in lead generation. Now it's hard when you have a, an abundance of leads because they have no incentive. But if you if you take leads back from them and get, go from three to two, all of a sudden they have extra time they may get a couple extra leads a week. But, but I think, it you know, leads are going to become more challenging, which means you need more sources. And, and the last thing I would say, and, and this topic specifically is, is it in order to get, you can afford to pay more for leads if you have the correct pricing. Yeah. And, and so while leads are very important, your pricing is also important. So because you have to be able to account for that marketing expense. Some companies are spending you know, 15%. Some are 18, some are 10. It all depends. Like in in our case, in Fort Myers, we're spending nothing and getting a ton of leads because of the situation. So that's just a temporary uptick. But it's going to be long lasting. It's going to be long lasting for a period of time. I don't know how long that lasts. But all of those things play into it. But but to me, don't be reliant upon one source. That's the critical part.
1: Yeah, and you know, you said something else too, is you got to know the numbers too. So one of the things that was a little frustrating for me and eventually, you know, quickly transferred over to him was okay, well, how many leads did you issue last month? And he couldn't tell me like right away. It's like, well, I got to contact somebody. Okay. How many? Okay, so then if you're gonna contact somebody, then the next question I want to know is how many inquiries came in in order for us, for you guys to set the number of leads that you did. He didn't know that number either. And, you know, as we go down the line, you know, we want to know how many inquiries, how many of those turned into appointments, how many of those appointments actually demoed, how many of those demos did we sell? What percentage canceled? And a lot of people can't tell us what those numbers are or can't find them like right away. And, how just I know I know what you're going to say but let's just speak to that for a minute and say one yeah I know your thoughts on it but how do you fix it
0: I think you got to start from the beginning and you got to care I mean I think you know rest assured the large companies and most successful companies in this business know that number as if it were their kid's birthday yeah so you got to be in a position where you you want to know those numbers and I think some of the Again, going back to some of these things that we see in these seminars, it's fascinating that people who don't feel comfortable analyzing certain information or learning how to analyze information shy away from that, even though it's simple to to take the time and want to learn that. But if you, as an example, want to scale your business and you don't know your lead cost, your true lead cost, you can't scale your business. Because yeah. all that's going to happen is the next person who comes in is going to say, hey, listen, a marketing person will come in and say, oh, yeah, spend $50,000 and you'll get this with me. You have no way to know whether that's true or not, because yeah. you don't have any verification. And that, by the way, transcends everything. It's, it's closing percentage, recruitment numbers, what it costs you to get a sales guy cost-wise, including ads and the recruiters and everything else you pay. you got to be able to break that down across all your departments and and so if you're not willing to do that or you're uncomfortable doing it you need that then going back to who you should hire first your first hire should be that person who can learn those yeah. numbers yeah because without that you're you're, you're basically going to lose money i mean there's no way and, I, and and i would also suggest that that same person who doesn't feel comfortable with the numbers isn't working on the right profit margin because they think they're making more than they are yeah it, it, it's like they ch- you can check every box and you have you don't have the financial discipline to understand your numbers then that that goes into your financial statement it yeah. goes into your lead results your cost of employee acquisition your margins it, it, it's like it's a checklist yeah. and it, and it's and for me it's disappointing to hear that because it's we're not dealing in a business that necessarily requires sophisticated metrics or financial statements. It's like you take the amount of money you're spending on leads and you divide it by the leads you're getting, which are inquiries. And then you divide it again by the number of set appointments. And there's your number. It's like four numbers. It's basic math. You learned it in sixth grade, right? But you gotta, you you gotta want to learn it. And and that's where I just, I'm fascinated because somebody will spend on a million dollars company, you're spending, you know, a hundred thousand, $120,000 in marketing roughly. And you're telling me you can't afford to hire somebody on the other side, but you're willing to just
1: throw them out of your way. Well, look this person. Yeah. This person in particular spending $12,000 a month. Yeah. And we had three different NSLI numbers because we're trying to plan, you know, I'm trying to help them develop a plan for next year. We had three different NSLI numbers and it's like, well, which one, right. you know, there's one that's, I think it was 2,500. There was one that was 3,300 or something like that. And there was one that was 3,480 that number. I remember because that was the best one. And it's like, dude, you know, we don't know. We don't with inaccurate wow. information. And yet we're trying to use this inaccurate information to go by the way. And I asked them about, and this is a whole nother topic. We'll get in, in another day. But I asked him for his PL. He texted his accountant. Hey, where's the PL? I said, dude, you know you are supposed to have it by the 10th of the month. What are you waiting on? Well, because this and that. So the person, so I couldn't even see a PL yesterday. You know, so yeah. I have no idea about, you know, he thinks he's making a certain amount of money but I don't know that, right. you know, and, and it's and not the know, right number. He thinks his gross margin is where it's supposed to be. It's not obviously because you're not making what you told me you make. So weird. right. And, and, and the thing
0: is, is like, even at, regardless of what the size of your business is, you know, you, you, if you know your margins, you could literally probably figure out your financial statement on the back of a napkin. You know your margins. You know what your overhead is. You know what your commission expense is, and you know what you're paying in advertisements. Yeah. It's it's not a different. You, you could be within let's say five to seven percent. Yeah. On the back of a napkin with no real scientific method.
1: If but you know your gross margin. If you know your gross
0: margin. Which and a lot of people don't the know NLSI. their gross margin. You can project sales if you know your NLSI is a true number. Yeah. So you know you take your leads and multiply to the NLSI, and you and you'll know your revenue. Right. But it but it it goes back to like the core competency of what our industry exists is not on the is not on the financial analysis of the of the of a company. It's of the installation, or he was a salesman, they were an installer, they were an installation man, but they law, they, they didn't have the financial wherewithal to learn. They, they didn't, they didn't want to learn what it took to create the financials. Or what the backbone of that is, and and to me, it was fine during COVID or during an economic boom. But when you are in situations like this and and conditions get tighter, you have to get tighter. And if you're not tighter, you're going to have a problem. Like, I mean, I just I'm concerned. I mean, and I said this to you. You know a year ago, which is the backlog issues, the same thing. It's like you're working on a 50 40% margin and you took a 50% deposit. That means every job in your backlog is at a 10% loss that you don't have cash for. Right. Nobody's talking about it. And it's going to come, it's coming now. So I, that would be my first hire. It's really at the end of the day. If that's my person. Even if you got a temporary bookkeeper, you'd still be better off. Yeah. And, and the other thing I would say before I forget, is you have to surround yourself with people that you don't that don't agree with you, they have to be honest with you like the value of your mastermind group is you guys can be honest with each other yeah. and you can call b s on the on the person who is telling you this information because you know it's not factual. You need those kind of people around you because otherwise things are good, your ego gets too big.
1: yeah well, look so this is a lot of what we're going to spend two days covering and you're going to come back again. You were awesome again this year, every conversation we have, I learned something and, and you're a real valuable resource, I think to the industry and you want to give back. And so I appreciate that. And I will put you to work again in February. Anybody interested, the doors are open for tickets. You this is, this could be the most important event that you attend for sure in 2023, this will be the most important event you attend. And so if you are really serious about the business and you want to come out ahead and discover what it's going to take to go the distance in this business, go to accelerateevent.com, accelerateevent.com and get your ticket. We've already got over a hundred people registered. Pre-sales were off the charts this year but we've opened the doors and and people are already picking up tickets so this will be our biggest event i think it'll be in fort myers all right so scott thank you appreciate you coming on and for everybody listening again go to accelerateevent.com you can use by the way there is a promo code you can use promo code twc23 and you'll actually save another 100 bucks as i'm recording this we're in early bird. Uh, I think you guys will hear this in time to be able to take advantage of that early bird special. So it's TWC 23 is the coupon code. Go there, secure your ticket. This is not an event you want to sit out. Thank you, sir. And everybody listening. It's Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And this is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a different way? Did it spark an idea or ideas that you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. If it did, I'd like to ask you a favor. Would you leave a five-star review of the podcast? By doing so, you'll help other contractors find the podcast more easily so that we can help them achieve more success, wealth, and freedom. And before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. In fact, if you haven't already, make sure you go to thewealthycontractor.com and get your free copy of my latest book. The Seven Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor. Just pay shipping and handling, and I'll take care of the cost of the book. So until next time, this is Brian Caskovalski.